very warm welcome back to the Gold Podcast. I'm Helena Beer, the editor of Gold, and I'm delighted to be introducing another brilliant episode. I'm actually on annual leave this week to attend my best friend's wedding. So while I carry out very important bridesmaid duties, um, I'm going to leave you in the capable hands of Jade Williams, Gold's editorial executive. Jade will introduce and host an interview with Eugene Borohovich, co-founder and chief operating officer of Your Coach Health. They discuss his extensive career and journey into pharma before delving into the world of digital therapeutics and his predictions and tips for the future of this exciting area in pharma. But before we get to that interview, Jade will take us through a selection of news you might have missed from the past week or so. Over to you, Jade. Hi, everyone. It's Jade. Welcome to my mini takeover of the Gold Podcast. I'm very happy to be here. Um, So one piece of news that caught my eye this week was the collective effort from global health agencies CEPI, Gavi and WHO in support of the Ugandan government's response to the outbreak of Ebola virus. These agencies have laid out a plan to accelerate research during this outbreak, which held its epicentre in the Mbende district on the 20th of September this year, but has since spread quite rapidly to six more areas of the country. Now, in response to this, CEPI, Gavi and WHO are planning to ensure doses of investigational Ebola vaccines are available to those who need them and facilitate the scaling up and access to any subsequent licensed vaccine. They're also planning to support the Ministry of Health of Uganda in its outbreak response efforts and allocate resources to plan for sufficient manufacturing capacity for candidate vaccines. There are currently no licensed vaccines or therapeutics for Ebola virus caused by the Sudan Ebola virus, or SUDV, though thankfully there are several candidates that could be suitable currently in clinical trials. Another goal for the collective is to explore pathways to ensure licensed SUDV vaccines are available via the Ebola stockpile, which is enabled and funded by Gavi, managed by UNICEF on behalf of WHO. Now, in other news, Gilead Science's chronic hepatitis B virus drug Vemlidi has scored a new indication to treat pediatric patients with compensated liver disease. Now, the FDA last week approved Vemlidi for use in patients aged 12 and older after previously winning approval for adults with hepatitis B or HBV in 2016. Chronic HBV can have significant long-term impacts on children, including the development of liver cancer later in life. So great to see that progress is being made in this space. Commenting on this approval, Murdad Parsi, Chief Medical Officer at Gilead, said, While paediatric hepatitis B prevalence has dropped significantly in the US, children who develop chronic hepatitis B following an acute infection can experience lifelong health impact. With an established safety profile and once daily dosing, then Liddy provides physicians a new option to address the treatment needs of paediatric patients living with hepatitis B. Now, as Helena introduced at the beginning of the episode, I recently spoke to Eugene Burkovich, co-founder and COO at Your Coach Health. I collaborated with Eugene recently on an article for the latest issue of Gold, which we'll link in the show notes for you. So I decided to invite him on to discuss DTX a little bit further. I had a really interesting conversation with Eugene all about digital therapeutics, delving a little bit into his very, very extensive career history. (laughs) He's a man with many hats. It's a great listen, and I really hope you enjoy. Hi, Eugene. Thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? Doing well. Pleasure uh, being here. 
Thank you for joining us. So Eugene Brokovich is the co-founder and COO at Your Coach Health. And we recently collaborated on one of my articles in Gold 25 about um, DTX and looking at Sleepio's recent approval by the NHS and really what that means for pharma. And today I wanted to dig a little deeper into that and also a bit of a personal background on Eugene as you're a very, very seasoned professional in the pharma space. I have to say I was a bit amazed looking on your LinkedIn profile and seeing your 28 past experiences. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, first of all, it's great. Um, It was great to collaborate with you um, on on the article and it's always good to put uh, an actual voice uh, behind that email exchange or LinkedIn exchange. So, uh, you know, appreciate being here. appreciate speaking with you. So thank you very much. Um, yeah, I mean, um, just very, very quickly as a background, I've been in healthcare, health tech for over two decades, um, you know, kind of just aging myself now. Uh, since this is a podcast, you can't see that I've lost my hair through that whole industry. Um, and um, I've been uh, started in a pharmacy benefit management, uh, spent some time in pharma and then in between some consulting my own companies. And then in January of 2020, uh, I joined my amazing better half, uh, Marina, in, uh, you know, as we incorporated officially your coach health, uh, which is the company that we're running together in tech enabled health coaching services. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it sounds amazing. It must be really nice to run that with your other half as well. It's a nice family gathering type of thing. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, so yeah, you, st- you seem to start your career quite firmly within the tech space from what I could see and then made your way into health and pharma a bit later on. Was there anything that inspired your transition into this career path? Yeah, you know, um, as uh, I kind of joke around that I was born as a technologist, but very quickly realized that, um, you know, technology is nothing unless you can put it into people's hands, whether it's, you know, physically or virtually, right? And and getting those, you know, the, the actual consumers, and in our case, in the healthcare industry, I still say health consumers, not everybody likes to be called a patient. You know, as a matter of fact, my wife who went through breast cancer, she never wanted to be called a patient. It was just a slice of her life. And, um, you know, around that time, around 20 years ago, so yeah, I've been kind of in finance industry and, um, um, and entertainment industry, and then I entered healthcare um, through pharmacy benefit management. At the time, it was called Metco, and I honestly never looked back because, to me, it was about leveraging some of my back then. I am not going to pretend I'm a great technologist today. Back then, some technology um, aspects of my brain to do good. Uh, in the world. And the best way that I can accomplish that is in the healthcare industry. To me, it's one of the most rewarding industries out there. Yeah, it's really good to be part of something that's really contributing to the betterment of the world, really, whether you're working in sort of sustainability or health, it's nice to get in bed at the end of the day and know that you're making a difference, really, isn't it? Listen, I, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, your coach would kind of always say that we wake up every morning, um, you know, hoping to make more and happier and healthier humans uh, with our network of coaches and, and our services. And so I think part of that is, again, the reward that we all get in the healthcare industry because people are struggling, right? People are really struggling out there today. Yeah, for sure. Um, so digging a bit deeper into the digital therapeutics side, although I am very interested in your past in the entertainment industry, and I'll be asking you about that later. That's for, for sure. another podcast, uh, maybe. But anyway, <laughs> but we, but some lo- lessons learned there as well, by the way. 
Oh, of course, I can imagine. Yeah. We can have an all seeing, all dancing episode later on. But <laughs> in your time within the industry, have you witnessed any sort of big changes in the DTX space over the last few years? And I kind of want to dig your brain a little bit and see if you have any pictures for its trajectory over the next five to 10 years as well. You know, so I, while I don't have the crystal ball, maybe I'll just uh, kind of rewind back a little bit, right? And 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 if we follow, uh, I always said I'm not a practitioner in the front lines of the DTX industry. Um, while I was at the big pharma company, we were uh, one of the first, actually, I believe the first uh, life sciences company to actually enter the digital therapeutic alliance. And I do kind of joke around that I lost most of my hair pushing non-molecular therapies to a molecular company. Um, but um, nonetheless, I think, you know, if we look at the trajectory over the course of, let's just call it 10 years, as you mentioned, I, I think at first was what the heck is digital therapeutics? Um, um, then right after, which by the way, many people still asking that today, right? Uh, even though the Digital Therapeutic Alliance and the ecosystem has done an amazing job, you know, A, defining it. Yes, it's always ever evolving. Um, the next stage I would say is evidence, 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 right? Because I think, um, you know, people were looking at digital therapeutics as well. There, there's wellness apps and other things that I can download and it counts into hundreds just in the app store alone, right? So how does that differentiate itself? Where's the evidence? Where are the outcomes? We've been absolutely seeing the outcomes and the studies. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, um, you know, something like Big Health, aka Sleepio, um, is one of the most studied digital health companies out there. They chose not to go the prescription route, which I applaud them on this. It's again, you know, it's not one way or the other. Um, so I think, again, the, the second stage was around evidence, right? And so I think some of the newcomers and the trailblazers that are coming into the space, there's literally no discussion in the founding team that I have heard of, do we need evidence or not, right? If you want to go and earn respect of the end consumers, patients, but also the prescribers in case of the PDT, prescription digital therapeutic, um, you know, that rigor and evidence um, gathering is required. And then I think the third stage, you know, where we sort of are today is this real commercialization stage and understanding what it will take to put more of these, let's call them self-paced and again, prescribed or, or suggested, depending on which route you take into people's hands, again, maybe virtual hands, you know, utilizing some technology. Um, yeah. That's kind of where I feel we're at now. Uh, companies are testing channels, trying to figure out standalone or drug plus or met tech device plus. Um, so still quite a lot. There's employer channels that we, you know, happy to dive deeper into it. Employer channel, payer channel, you know, direct to consumer channel. Now I'm going to put a little bit of my crystal ball um, where you asked, you know, five years from now. Um, I, I do think that the next stage, um, once some of the early signs of that commercialization is there, it's really real scaling from there, right? And how does that fit into everything from medical and non-medical curriculums, right? So think about, you know, pharmacists, doctors, um, and in the case of health coaches, you know, we're already educating our larger community on what digital therapies are. Because yeah. uh, and in our partnership with a company like Twill that has self-paced digital therapies, the premise here is that we 
as individuals always need a human to lean on. Right. So that's a little bit of the background. So we do see, uh, you know, kind of succinctly that that mix of human eye, AI and digital therapies will continue being so. And how do we scale that implementation and channels? Uh, yeah, I think over the next few years, is like you say, everyone's really a trailblazer in this space at the moment while we're looking for the next big thing to really come out. And it's a lot of quite a testing ground right now, I think. Um, within that, obviously, this is a pharma podcast, so I'm going to bring us a bit back to pharma. Yeah. Um, do you think it's important now in this day and age for pharma companies to develop digital therapeutics alongside their traditional products or taking it even further um, to develop standalone DTX themselves, whether yeah. that's partnered with a specified DTX company or on their own? Look, if we if we look at um, you know life sciences industry, or pharma industry, or biopharma, you know so many so many names. I, you know, I think the world and the industry has now realized that biotech and digitech, um, you know, need to be married together, right? And again, you know, if we focus broadly on kind of the digital transformation of the industry. Uh, to me, it's still shocking that some executives that I speak to are st still trying to ask the question is, what does digital mean for me and my company or my department or my function? Uh, to me, the answer is clear, right? Um, and, you know, I think it's one way is to improve the existing processes. And then on the other side is to completely create and reinvent you know, new interventions, right? So that's kind of at a broader digital transformation Um you know, if we talk about specifically digital therapies, which is, you know, th this is where our focus is today, um, I'm going to be make a very bold statement that um, because of the earlier discussion on commercialization and, you know, I'm not picking on any particular company, but let's just take the two that went public, um, you know, Akili and Pear, they've really been the trailblazers, right? One kind of more in the CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy space. Um, as an intervention, and Achille is more in obviously neurodegenerative diseases, which is the direct biological impact of playing a game, right? And if I look at those two, without going into the numbers, depending when I think Achille is about to announce their their quarterly reports, think about a pharmaceutical company that's making billions, right? Literally billions. Um, some of the larger ones. And think about the revenue stream that you see in the standalone digital therapies. Um, it's just not interesting today, right? And so when either one of those or many others are contributing or, or generating enough revenue that for a pharma company, it'll be interesting, they'll just buy them. Now, yeah. the component of drug plus is always the key, right? Because as, you know, as the price pressures all around the globe, not just in, 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 in US, right? The price pressures on, on negotiating prices are there, they're, they're real. And differentiation of the efficacy of the molecular treatment, large or small molecules is always questioned. Um, I think, you know, pharma companies need to continue developing this drug plus concept. Um, the, you know, I think the challenges there a bit is at what phase do the companies implement and are they really digital therapies 
or are there digital assistants in order to help pharma, you know, look at some additional data on, you know, everything from adherence to efficacy of the actual molecule? Right. And I think this is where the industry is spending a lot more time. I think it's spending a lot more investment. And I think the realization is there that those skills are required. And so, um, you know, we see many of the venture arms investing into companies such as Click and others. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, Right. So. You, for those of you that don't know, listening in, Eugene runs his own podcast and he's so gracefully guest starred on ours today, which is the DTX podcast. And you talk with some of the up and comers in the digital therapeutics space. Could you pick out some of the interesting things that you've learned over the course of this from some of your guests? Are there any like standout moments? Yeah, you know, I, I think for me, what stands out is uh, one key thing is, you know, if you think about a digital therapy, right, and, you know, uh, and, and maybe I'll just add to my five-year prediction, I think, uh, especially some of the earlier trailblazers with even more evidence, I I really think the word digital will drop off and it'll just be a therapy. It just happens to be mm-hmm. digital. Um, so I think that's probably one thing that stands out. I think we're getting there, still a long way to go. The second part, and I think some of the challenges, if you think about you know, a, a molecular-based biopharma company, a digital therapeutic on one side is very much treated as a molecule, right? And so from an RCT perspective, from evidence generation, from clinical trial perspective, and on the other side, and especially on this side of the pond, is more treated like a, a SAMD, which is a software as a medical device, right? And so the digital therapeutic, you know, entrepreneurs, companies, um, they're stuck in a, a bit in this kind of on one side, be getting pulled as a medical device and the stringencies on the other side, pulled into the molecular world. And while it can stand on its own as its own sub industry, for lack of a better term, the younger companies, and this is why you need uh, you know, tremendous amount of funding still to get some of this off the ground. I think that's probably the second piece that stands out. Um, and then finally, the third piece is that, uh, and, and what I'm happy to see, uh, not because of the DTX podcast <laughs> that we're hoping to keep going with, is um, there's still a lot of newcomers coming in, right? Um, and, and, and we've had a few of them uh, and more to come, but it's amazing to see the entrepreneurial spirit. I think what we've seen as part of that, or let's call it, you know, 3A, 3B, um, is that a lot of the talent um, is coming actually from the pharma industry, right? Because knowing how to run the clinical trials, understanding the evidence generation, understanding the commercial traction that's needed, and reinventing those sales channels as we go along. So those are, I think, three key takeaways. All right, cool. Uh, so if the word digital drops off, will you be rebranding to just the TX podcast in future, maybe? You know, I, I, I actually, uh, you know, because it's much more of a hobby than anything else, I actually hope that it just runs its course once the word digital drops off and, and we end there. And, and maybe I'll, okay. I'll focus on some other topic at that point. Oh, on to your next big venture. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you mentioned there that entrepreneurial spirit is something that really drives a lot of these newcomers in the industry to really take their DTX ventures to the next level. Do you have any quick tips for companies that would be looking to get into the DTX space? Um, so when you say, you know, companies, um, 
just just wanted to kind of narrow down. I mean, uh, th there's uh, companies such as even like distributors, Amerisource, Bergen, uh, as just a quick example, uh, that are getting into the DTX space in a very different fashion, right? Um, I think it's um, uh, it's an up and coming field still, you know, after a decade, and there holds a lot of promise. So maybe I'll just break this down in a couple of things, right? So on one side are the entrepreneurs, right? Um, and I think, again, I'll just stress it, which which I did that before. There's no longer a techie trying to, you know, a, a one man, woman show to try to do a digital therapeutic, right? You need a very cross-functional team. You need to start with evidence generation literally day one. Um, and, you know, there are many companies that can help there, including something like Linda's Health, right? As, as just as a, uh, one example, and for full transparency, they're also a sponsor of the DTX podcast. So um, <laughs> the, um, th that's kind of for the entrepreneurs. The, the second, uh, I think, is the biopharma broadly industry. Again, you know, need to define the what and the why, meaning, or, or the why first, why you're getting involved. Is it, you know, just to get you know, the right talent. So working with some of these startups to just understand, you know, what's happening. Is it the keep me relevant component of this as a pharma company? Is it to defend your business or is it grow revenue? So you need to define the why, right? Um, and then the what and the how. Um, you know, I think there's med tech companies that are looking at this. And, and the beautiful part about med tech companies, it, in my opinion on this, is that whole embedded software and software ultimately as a, as a service um, surrounding it, they're more familiar with it. So I think that's the quick advice um, is to, um, you know, to work with digital therapeutic companies or maybe not even spin up. And then finally, and I think probably a recommendation to all the companies, it's hard as it is to bring a digital therapeutic to market. Um, having said that, um, you know, and our feeling and maybe somewhat, um, you know, your coach related, our, our comment always is technology only goes so far. Most digital therapies are still ultimately self-paced, you know, in the prescription world, still check-ins with the doctor and the non-prescription world. You're kind of on your own. We're recommended by employer or in a case of, or, or NHS in a case of Sleepio, right? Um, but you're on your own. Um, and then clinical talent is very difficult. We know we're going to have continue having shortages of clinical staff. And so I think the part of the advice is to also start thinking or partnering around a services layer surrounding your digital therapeutic, right? Um, and think of this as a, maybe a virtual care first kind of concept, et cetera, and partner with the right partners that do what they do best, right? Um, so that's kind of the fourth advice and more broadly. Okay, great. Thank you. All right. To sum it up then, thank you for coming on the podcast. Um, just final question here. We obviously mentioned your extensive career history as a self-proclaimed serial intra and entrepreneur. Do you think you'd be able to pick out your proudest achievement over your time in the industry? When I first came into Big Pharma, apparently there were bets made on how long will Eugene last um, just from a speed perspective, right? And I think um, one of my proudest and always has been, I just love building teams. I love people that just get stuff done. And, you know, I think the sense of urgency that you can instill in the healthcare system, because, you know, what we're seeing even at your coach with, with, with people that our, our coaches are helping with is people are lost, right? They're navigating that healthcare system, navigating your own 
day. And so to me, the biggest achievement is building rock star teams that just can get stuff done uh, in the industry and help individuals. <laughs> a rock star team sounds amazing. And I hope that you do very well in future building even more of those. Um, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great to talk to you and I'll be looking forward to seeing what you do next. Thank you very much for having me. And that's it for this episode. Thank you so much to Eugene for joining us and thanks to you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on our upcoming episodes. Isabella and I will be back next week with another brilliant interview. But until then, it's goodbye from me and Jade. Take care and we'll see you soon.